0: This is Community Radio, KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Good evening, I'm Claudio Mendoza. It's 6 p.m. and it's time for the evening news. Incumbents largely prevailed in Tuesday's primary election. Tonight, the California report breaks down the election results and shares information about the upcoming face-off for the mayorship of Los Angeles. Martin Webb talks to the executive director of Good Sun Solar and then with Daniel Elkin, Communications and Engagement Director for Circle. We close with a commentary from Joseph Guida. This is
1: the
2: California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Attorney general rob bonta is heading to a november runoff after securing more than 54% of the vote during tuesday's primary election ballots are still being counted but as of right now he would square off against republican challenger nathan hawkman who has a slight lead over fellow republican eric early nicole nixon covers politics and government for cap radio and joins me now to break down the results in so far nicole we've heard a lot about how californians are concerned about crime. And that's led to some Democratic district attorneys across the state facing threats of being recalled. The most concrete example, of course, being Chesa Boudin in San Francisco. And yet, Attorney General Bonta, who oversees DAs across the state, seems to have held on to pretty widespread support. Is there anything surprising about the extent of the lead he's held on to here?
3: I don't think so. And that's because Rob Bonta is the only Democrat in this primary for attorney general. One thing about primary elections in California is There can be wide field of candidates in some cases. Um, It can be hard to find a lot of information about some of these candidates. So voters really rely on party ID when they're voting in primaries. And we see that with Rob Bonta. He's got well over 50% support right now, will move on to the general election. And another example of that is that Anne-Marie Schubert, she was a no party preference candidate, Sacramento County DA. She's trailing with 8% of the vote. Okay, let's talk about Bonta's opponents.
2: We now know he'll face a Republican in November. It's still unclear if it will be Nathan Hawkman or Eric Early. Is this the perfect scenario for what Democrats wanted in this race?
3: Democrats statewide do very well against Republican opponents in general elections. So, yes, Bonta was actually trying to elevate a particular candidate here, Eric Early, who's kind of the more pro-Trump, candidate and i think he he and his team thought maybe that would be an easier target an easier opponent in november it is like you said unclear who the candidate he'll face in november will be hawkman is leading by about 50,000 votes this morning and he's the more establishment sort of gop endorsed california gop endorsed candidate
2: the other biggest name in the race is, of course, Anne Marie Schubert, who is the district attorney of Sacramento County. A lot of people were surprised to see her come in fourth place last night. What led to her
3: falling so far behind the other candidates? I mentioned her lack of political party. She left the, the GOP in 2018. And, you know, she told me earlier this week that she had no regrets about that, that she feels she ran an authentic campaign. She did acknowledge the results last night and dropped out of the race. She said she will work to reverse state laws in California that place, as she says, criminals over crime victims and that she hopes the next attorney general will also continue that fight. Cap Radio political reporter Nicole Nixon.
2: Nicole, thanks for being here. Thanks so much.
1: Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just health care system on the web at chcf.org slash health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org.
2: Another of one of the most watched races here in California and in the country is the 45th Congressional District, which sits mostly in Orange County. Incumbent Republican Michelle Steele has received 49 percent of the vote. Her Democratic opponent, Jay Chen, received 41 percent. For more on the race, KPCC's Josie
0: Huang has this report. At a watch party with other Democratic candidates in Orange, Chen said he would be ramping up his campaign. You know, in 2020, Democrats didn't go knock on doors because of the pandemic. And that cost us a couple of points. And so we're going to make sure that, you know, we do all the right things, knock on those doors and get our voters out to the polls. Steele, who currently represents another O.C. House district, was in Washington, D.C. last night, but got on Zoom to address dozens of her supporters who had gathered in her Buena Park office. She said November will be the real fight.
4: I'm coming back on Thursday night. And I'm going to start walking again. And you know what? We're not going to rest until we win.
0: Both candidates said that inflation and record gas prices are top of mind for voters. And that's what they'll be talking about on the campaign trail, too. For The California Report, I'm Josie Huang in Orange County.
2: And in the race to see who will be LA's next mayor, Karen Bass and Rick Caruso will now face each other in a runoff this November. As ballots are still being counted, Caruso tallied 42% of the vote to Bass's 37%. With more about the candidates, the California report's Saul Gonzalez is in Los Angeles. Hey, Saul.
4: Hey, Alex. So, here are some things to know about the mayoral candidates who are moving on to the general election. Karen Bass is a Democratic member of Congress from Los Angeles who's been in the House since 2011, where she's chaired subcommittees on foreign affairs and the judiciary. She was also elected chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. While in Washington, Bass has fought for child care programs, criminal justice reform, and gun control. Before her years in Congress, she was in the state legislature, rising to the the speakership of the Assembly. Bass's main opponent, and first the primary and now the mayoral runoff, is Rick Caruso. He's a billionaire real estate developer, best known to Angelenos for opening and managing upscale outdoor shopping malls. Caruso is also a former Republican who then became an independent and then finally registered as a Democrat shortly before running. Caruso has also spent tens of millions of dollars of his own money on his mayoral campaign. With a lot of that record spending going to television, radio, and internet advertising. If elected, both Bass and Caruso promise to create thousands of housing units and shelter beds for the city's unhoused population, and to increase the size of the LAPD, although Bass wants a more modest increase in police officers. Oh, and this being Los Angeles, celebrities are weighing in on the race. Rick Caruso has the endorsements of Gwyneth Paltrow, Kim Kardashian, and Katy Perry. Bass, meanwhile, is backed by Magic Johnson, Jennifer Aniston, and Steven Spielberg. I know It's an only-in-L.A. kind of election. Alex?
2: That was the California Report's Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, June 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: Locally, according to UBANET.com, incumbent Sue Hook decisively defeated Calvin Clark, leading the election night tally with 84.32% of the ballots counted so far. Clark, a recall proponent, garnered 15.68% of the votes. The open seat in District 3, a three-way race between two former Grass Valley mayors, Lisa Swarthout and Patty Ingram-Spencer, and another recall proponent and local business owner, Valentina Masters, well, Swarthout leads the contest with 1,407 votes, or 48% of the votes counted on election night. The three candidates vying to replace retiring clerk-recorder Greg Diaz included self-proclaimed citizen auditor Paul Gilbert, local volunteer and veteran Jason Tedder, and assistant clerk-recorder Natalie Adona. As of election night, Gilbert received 1,290 votes of the ballots counted, Tedder garnered 3,515, and Adona 11,111 votes, leading the contest. Gina Will, the current assistant auditor-controller, and the businessman Rob Tribble were the candidates vying to replace retiring auditor-controller Marcia Salter. On election night, Tribble received 8,105 votes and Will received 6,641. Rolf Kleinhans, currently working at the Sheriff's Office, and Gerald Bushore, the Assistant Appeals Board Chairperson, were the two candidates for assessor. Kleinhans currently leads the race with 10,584 votes versus Bushore's 4,190 votes. There were several uncontested races on the ballot, with only one candidate filing for each of the following. For Nevada County Superintendent of Schools, Scott Lay, he received over 11,000 votes. For District Attorney, Jesse Wilson received 12,628 votes. For Sheriff, Coroner, Public Administrator, Sheriff Shannon Moon received 13,316 votes. And for Treasurer, Tax Collector, Tina Vernon received 13,887 In the race for Nevada City City Council, there were four candidates who ran for two seats. Adam Klein received 413 votes on election night. Lou Ceci received 396 votes. Aaron Minette received 315 votes. And Ken Merdinger received 70 votes. In Truckee, Measure U, the half percent sales tax proposed to fund open space and trails, passed with 76.42% of the votes. Thanks to Ubinet.com for that information. Looking now at regional weather, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 61. On Thursday, sunny with a high near 88. On Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 64. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 45. On Thursday, sunny with a high near 80 degrees. On Thursday night, Truckee-Tahoe will be mostly clear with a low around 50. And in Sacramento, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 62. On Thursday, mostly sunny and hot with a high near 100 degrees. On Thursday night, Sacramento will be mostly clear with a low around 70. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Up next, Martin Webb, KVMR's host of the twice-monthly Climate Report, talks to the executive director of Good Sun Solar.
5: I'm here with Vince Lucia, the executive director of Good Sun, a nonprofit located here in Grass Valley. Now, Vince, you and I have known each other as solar industry professionals for decades. And, um, I first met you about 15, 20 years ago when you were in the manufacturing side of the solar industry, when Grass Valley was more of an industry epicenter, which led to high rates of solar adoption here in our area. I've watched your careers now. You've worked through local solar installers, operations. Tell me about what Good Sun is and what exactly you all are doing that is so unique. Well, thank you, Martin. Good Sun is a
6: local nonprofit. We are a 501c3. And um, really, what we're trying to do is create opportunities for the underserved communities so that they can have. PV solar electric power started with projects in Africa several years ago with our co-founder Eric Stikes and a few other volunteers and then it morphed into about four local schools providing solar for schools at no charge and being able to create uh, an educational lab if you will and then we've morphed into uh, serving habitat for humanity locally we're Um, providing solar to those homes Um, and most recently the circle project uh, which is a 30 kilowatt system that we donated and um, also in the past we worked um, with hospitality house and created a pv system for their homeless shelter and so upon doing all this we've been able to we've been able to create a partnership with california solar electric as kind of the installer and so They do a lot of this work um, to complement our good work. And really, um, we survive on product donations and being able to have kind of like a solar restore here as well that enables us to buy and purchase products for our projects. And by encompassing all of these things that we do, Um, We're creating an atmosphere where the solar panels are not being dumped in the landfill as they get close to their end of life.
5: I'm talking with Vince Lucia, the executive director of Good Sun, a unique nonprofit here in Grass Valley that is specializing on the underserved market for solar electricity, as well as bridging that gap between end of life with solar panels and keeping them out of landfills. Let's talk a little bit about your latest project. That's the South Yuba River Citizens League donation. And as you mentioned, you partner with um, local contractors. California Solar Electric Company is your main partner where they donate the labor. Goodson's responsible for donating solar panels that for groups like Circle, these aren't the old technology that's used. This is more of the newer technology donated straight from manufacturers. Is that correct? That is correct.
6: And, um, you know, one thing we tell not only our, our project partners, but people that come to buy panels, if they're thinking of installing them back on the roof, they have to be of a certain age and a certain fire class rating. And so in the case of the Circle project, these panels were nearly all brand new. They were just blemished, scratched, you know, on the sides, um, you know, missing some paint. Um, and so when we receive donations like that, we try to find the, the perfect project for them. And this just seemed to be a, a good blend, knowing that they recently purchased that building and it made sense for them to have a good offset because they do so much for our community and our watershed. And to um, partner with a local contractor like California Solar Electric that's willing to, to do the installation is just a perfect blend of community work.
5: Thanks so much, and uh, congratulations on the work that you're doing and working with CIRCLE. Thank you, Martin.
6: Appreciate it.
0: Next, Martin Webb gets the details about CIRCLE's new solar installation from Daniel Elkin.
5: I'm here with Daniel Elkin, Communications and Engagement Director for the South Yuba River Citizens League, commonly known as CIRCLE. And we're curious about their recent donated solar system. Daniel, you were saying that you have been renting for the longest time, recently purchased the building, and that is really what tipped Circle over into going solar. This was, though, a complete, generous donated gift.
7: Yeah, it's an in kind donation from uh, Cal Solar and Good Sun.
5: Now, Good Sun is the ones responsible for the equipment, Um, California Solar, local contractors for the labor. But you had also mentioned that there were some costs incurred, not for the solar, but to prepare for the installation.
7: Yeah, we had to work on the roof to get it set, uh, get it prepared for the installation. And so that cost us a a small amount of money. But for the amount of savings that we're going to get from the
5: solar, that should offset that. So most people, when they re-roof, don't get a free solar system along with the re-roof. That's correct. (laughs) Now, how does this act of going solar for an environmental organization make you feel and the staff feel? What's the value to Circle for doing this?
7: Well, as you know, climate change is one of the existential threats of our uh, time. And so anything that we can do to reduce our carbon footprint is fully within the ethos of Circle. And so going solar is certainly going to help us reduce our dependency on fossil fuels uh, for electricity needs.
5: Now, there is an upcoming celebration that the public is invited to for sort of a solar grand opening. Is that correct?
7: That is. We're calling it Watts for the Watershed. It'll be on June 21st from 4 to 6 here at Circle's office out in the parking lot. And Circle's office is located at 313 Railroad Avenue
0: here in Nevada City.
5: Thank you so much. That's Daniel Elkin, Communications and Engagement Director with the South Yuba River Citizens League Circle.
0: That was Martin Webb, host of KVMR's twice-monthly Climate Report. You can catch the next episode of The Climate Report tomorrow evening at 6.30, right here on KVMR. We close with a commentary from Nevada City resident Joseph Guida. In the wake of the Uvalde tragedy, Joseph Guida was reflecting on his experience on a recent trip to Italy.
1: Every time there's a mass shooting at a school or a place of worship or on a city street, I recall a few years ago when my sister and I went to South Italy. Before we stayed in the village where our grandparents were born and raised, we took a guided bus tour throughout the three provinces of South Italy, Puglia, Basilicata, and Calabria. One morning on the road in Calabria, one of the people on the tour asked our guide Gianluca, Is there crime in South Italy? Is the mafia here? Are there drugs here? Gianluca was silent for a minute. Then with his microphone on, he turned to everyone with a big smile and said, I know all of you have been extremely friendly and gracious to me, and to Alfonso, the bus driver, and to Laura, the one who fixes and schedules everything. However, we don't understand you Americans. You have so much crime, so many guns, and so many drugs. Yet people all over the world want to immigrate to America. Here, in South Italy, there is no crime. You cannot find heroin, cocaine, or methamphetamine here. There are no dealers of fake prescription drugs. Occasionally, there might be some marijuana or hashish, but not often. There are two reasons why We have no crime. One is the Mafia. The heads of the families that run the Mafia live here. Their kids live here. Their grandkids live here. Their nieces and nephews live here. The Mafia does not permit crime in South Italy. They want to raise their families in peace. Now, that does not mean they don't make crime in other parts of Europe. They do. They bring in cargo ships full of drugs to the ports of Hamburg and Rotterdam. The second reason there is no crime here, is because the authorities make it very hard for local people to own a gun. One would have to apply to the authorities, and the vetting process often takes two years. You are investigated. Your families are investigated. Your neighbors are questioned. They visit every school you have attended and talk to your teachers. They talk to your current employer and your past employer. Finally, if you are vetted positively, then you must sign a contract. The contract includes where you purchase the gun, a description of the gun, the serial number of the gun, the date of purchase of the gun, where you will keep the gun, what is the purpose of the gun, and where are you going to use the gun. If the authorities find you with the gun that is not where the contract states it to be, or you use it for a different reason at a different place than that one is on the contract and you are caught, you go straight to jail. No discussion, no court case, no lawyers straight to jail. That is why there's no crime in South Italy. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of
7: the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors.
0: That's our newscast for this Wednesday, June 8th. KVMR gets support from the Outlet Store at Sierra Timberline, reopened and offering home comfort closeouts, discontinued items, floor demos, and trade-in products. Open Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 10 to 4 in the Home Center at 342 Idaho-Maryland Road in Grass Valley. SierraTimberline.com. And the State of California and the California Earned Income Tax Credit, informing Nevada County's Hispanic population that filing taxes can support the immigration process, provide access to public programs, and also yield possible tax credits and returns. More information, mycaleitc.org. Thanks very much for listening. My name is Claudio Mendonça. Have a great evening, and keep it right here for another episode of The Sages Among Us.